Welcome to My on Mondays, an explorative approach to the possessive my through narratives, art, and sound. Each Monday brings a new creation and unique perspective. My on Mondays is brought to you by Ming Studios, a contemporary art space and international artist residency program dedicated to the exhibition, experience, and exploration of arts and culture. Along with exhibiting artists from around the world, Ming also serves the community by hosting innovative programs including performances, workshops, screenings, readings, artist talks, and other cultural activities. For more information or if you'd like to participate in My on Mondays, you can visit our website at mingstudios.org. Hello and welcome to the 94th episode of My on Mondays. Today I'm speaking with Rebecca Evans, who is a regular contributor to our programming. Among the many hats Rebecca wears, she leads workshops with adolescent girls in the juvenile detention system. The first time I heard her mention this work, I knew I wanted to hear more about it, so I'm really pleased we were able to have this conversation. Rebecca is a memoirist, poet, and essayist. Her work reflects, among many things, fractured relationships. This fracturing influences every subsequent relationship, carrying scars and wounds throughout one's life. Evans weaves disability, domestic violence, and a fight for survival throughout her narratives, hoping to start conversations, create awareness, compassion, and tolerance. When you did your interview with Kelly Brown, I remember hearing you mention something about the work that you do with girls in the juvenile detention system and... I remember thinking at the time, I really, that's something I would really love to explore a little bit more with you. So I'm curious how long you've been doing this work and how it came about for you. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it was a completely surprise and interesting journey. So for me, um, let's see, I started specifically in this demographic in about 2006. And what led me into this field, I was the director for Idaho um, Girls on the Run program for about two years. And that is an incredible program, serving um, young girls in the third through fifth grade. And I do think they have like a a little bit of an older group as well. And it's a nationwide program empowering girls uh, and using running as like one of the formats to help create confidence and self-awareness and positive body image, um, help avoid dysmorphic challenges and other, you know, issues that young girls are facing, you know, starting way before the third grade. That program was amazing. But what I realized, uh, you know, when I was looking in the field, it's like, what is missing? I try to fill a gap, if you will. I mean, that's kind of been my niche in my life where is their gap this demographic the third grader third through fifth graders there's a lot of programs for that age group most of them are after school um they're offered in churches or in schools and that demographic has a lot of opportunities but high schoolers if that group isn't in sports um and doesn't have a lot of family support 
we we're seeing those teens fall through the system. They're falling through the cracks and there's not a lot of support and there's just not a lot of money in that demographic either. Yeah. As far imagine. as people, yeah. As far as people going, Hey, this is a great w- place to do programs. I've really been the only one for like almost 20 years now still wow. doing this. That's so, so when I, that's depressing. <laughs> so when, <laughs> yeah. So when I started, I was just looking for, you, you know, young women in that age group and what was happening as a coach. I, I was in the fitness industry as a coach, as a trainer, as an instructor. Okay. I taught everything and I was also an empowerment coach. Um, so I still, I had all those certifications, yoga, Pilates, group X. I was a trainer to the trainers and sport teams and then also was certified as an empowerment coach and I was fusing those two fields together and creating workshops, you know, for women, but also for young girls, teenage girls. And, um, and I was be I was hired by churches, I was hired by youth groups, and going in and teaching this workshop that I had started called Perfect, with the idea, we're already perfectly designed, let's work on our strengths. And let's look at our weaknesses and see where we can, you know, hone our skills a little bit better. So that was kind of where the program started. And there was a point, and and the classes were huge. Uh, you know, I, at one point I had like 200 girls in a class. Oh my <laughs> it, was, God. it was crazy. So there was a need, but these were also in in those arenas. Those young ladies were able to afford come to the program. The parents were driving them, mm-hmm. and I still felt like I wasn't reaching the demographic that needed the most support yeah chrysal chrysalis house here in boise reached out to me and they said hey we have a handful of young ladies can they join you um you know they don't have any funds and i'm like what is chrysalis house so it's a halfway house um and this is probably like 2009 um so yeah it was a, a long i don't know if the house is still around but it was a halfway house and i scholarshiped all of their um, all of their participants, they came to the program and it was incredible. So here we had the haves and the have nots coming to the table mm-hmm. and these young women who, um, you know, these teens who are in teen angst and think they have nothing and it's so hard. And now in a conversation, the juxtaposition of sitting across the table from young women who truly have nothing. Yeah. And, they started sharing skill sets and experiences. I mean, they both had so much to offer each other. The conversations were incredible and they were teaching each other. I really became kind of a facilitator. Uh And I did that for a few years where I was like, let me merge these demographics and allow them to be in the space with each other. And then at some point, um, uh, the head of probation reached out to me and, and said, hey, can you come over and teach these workshops over here. I did that in Ada County and then was offered a contract over at Canyon County. And I just decided to service only the demographic that was in detention, in probation, mm-hmm. really struggling. And now those um, that demographic, they're court ordered to come to my program. So it's part of their probation. Yeah. Um, right. So it has just grown and grown and grown, you know, 
truly a series of steps and evolutions and accidents and mishaps and chances. <laughs> Here I am. Yeah. So, so the girls are court ordered to go mm-hmm. to your program. So what is it like walking into a room <laughs> of girls who have all been court ordered to see you? You know, in the beginning, I have to admit, like, I I was a little, you know, afraid. Not yeah, of the it girls. sounds totally daunting. Yeah. Not of the participants, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. But just like, can I do this? You know, am uh-huh. I even going to help them? What do I have to mm-hmm. offer? And then, you know, I would just, I sat down with them and um, there was just a point where, I shared with them, like, listen, I'm not, I'm not reading your rap sheets, so I don't know why you're here. I mean, it doesn't matter to me why you're here. Mm-hmm. I'm sad that you're here. It matters to me what you've been through, but I feel like every adult, you know, in your life has read, you know, these choices or circumstances that have been pressed upon you, yeah. and I would hate that. I just hate that. Like your counselor, your teacher, your foster family, like Mm -hmm. everybody knows, you know, could you imagine if you walk into a room and everyone knows your, you know, past poor choices, how do you move forward? And so I just wanted to offer them the space, like here's a space where you can move forward and start to become whatever you want. And I think that playing field being even helped everyone relax a little bit. So that was like the n- number one thing I started doing. And then the, the other thing is I I really share like, hey, I have um, I tried to commit suicide when I was 14 and before that when I was nine. And oh. um, I get it. I came from a bad home. <clears throat> I left my home when I was 14 and basically took care of myself, um, you know, emancipated myself from my, my mom and my stepfather finished high school with a GED. So I'm a high school dropout and I am no different than you. And I have made choices to move forward and move forward and move forward and heal and try to take my situation and do something good with it. So here I am. And I think because they hear that and they're like, okay, she'll talk about anything. (laughs) I start there. Well, amazing that you, you know, first are saying, I don't need to know anything about you, but then you reveal everything about yourself. That's, yeah. So I think that that helps the group relax. And there's typically at least one participant who's really ready to share, like she's done mm-hmm. some work on herself. Okay. And usually that's someone who's a little bit older. It just depends. I have mm-hmm. different participants every time. I, I have not had um, there's been like zero recidivism rates um, for my group in the last, well, before COVID. So it's going on like four or five years wow. now, which is amazing. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very proud of that. Um, so, but there's usually, you know, uh, a participant who is, you know, realizing she's close to graduation. She doesn't want to be in this space anymore. You know, it's not mm-hmm. serving her. She's done some work with other counseling and other programs and, you know, or maybe it's her first time in the system and it's, you know, she's like, yeah, I'm, I'm not coming back here. Whatever the reason, there's usually one, it's usually someone who's a little bit more mature. It's 14 to 14 on up. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
they'll share. They'll just be open. And as soon as one opens up, it that the floodgates just start opening. And and maybe some of them stay shut down throughout the course, the eight weeks that we're together. But usually they start connecting with each other. And when somebody shares something, um, I my goal is to create conversation and connections for them, for mm-hmm. them to see they are not alone. So I'll say, does anyone have any advice for her? Has anybody had a similar experience? And can you share how you handled it? What worked, what didn't work, right? Mm-hmm. So we're creating that conversation where they're free to talk about it. And they know it's a safe and confidential place. That's very clear from the beginning. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, you're just creating the space, you know, which is no different in writing workshops, right? You need the safe and sacred space as an artist. But I think we need the safe and sacred space as humans, you know, mm-hmm. just living our life. So I, I really value that. I think it's important. And, um, and so that's the space we start in. Mm-hmm. I there's a dump truck outside my house right now of course this is exactly when they decide to do their work (laughs) there's all kinds of construction going on around me right now um so hopefully it's not too noticeable in the background this I mean this uh I feel like there's so much that um, could be talked about and it's such an important subject you know it, for the scope of this podcast we can only sort of delve into the surface but mm-hmm. I'm curious what has surprised you most when doing this work is there anything in particular or, or sort of an or, or maybe even just a general sense of something that has surprised you since you oh, started my goodness. yeah I Yes, always. Well, I, I think just remembering we're all students and these, these you know, teens are super smart, super mm-hmm. resilient. I'm not surprised by that. I'm usually surprised when they're teaching me something that I've forgotten and so many challenges that they deal with, we are still dealing with in our 50s. As, you know, people who identify as females, like the challenges, the pressure, the social pressure to measure up, the peer pressure, Mm -hmm. it doesn't really let up or go away in our Western culture. Mm -hmm. And I remind them like these, the the skills and the tools that you're putting in your toolbox now keep with you. They Mm -hmm. don't go away. You know, you're still going to deal with catty, um, unreliable females later in your life you're going to deal with betrayal you're going to deal with people letting you down in disappointment and um you know having expectations that don't turn out how you think they will and being able to adapt and regroup and reframe and learn from situations is going to be your friend Mm -hmm. but a lot of these challenges just unfortunately sadly we still face um, and the world, you know, I'm a single woman, 57 years old, right? So I'd not date. I quit dating, right? Because it's so terrifying and there's so many challenges in the world of dating. And it's no different than the challenges they face. And mm-hmm. especially with, you know, technology and, you know, how people are handling that, mishandling that, I should say, and abusing and um 
systems to take advantage and manipulate people, I I share with them, like, this doesn't go away if you Mm -hmm. date later in life. Like, these things still happen regardless of your demographic, your education level, how you look, how much money you make. Like, it doesn't matter. You know, your social economic status does not influence these challenges that we face as Mm -hmm. females. Uh, And so I'm always learning you know, from them too, like some of the ways that they've coped, they are so strong and they're like, yep, I just, if someone's not nice, they're not in my circle of friends. And I'm like, how do you do that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, because they are very strong and they're super clear on, on their guts. Like this doesn't feel good. And it's okay mm-hmm. for me to say no to this, even though for a long time, a lot of them said yes to things to mm-hmm. feel a sense of acceptance they're learning very young to trust their guts. Yeah. And I, I, I just have a lot of admiration and respect for them, what they've been through mm-hmm. and how strong they are, how smart they are and how they've had to navigate, you know, their world very resourcefully to just get along and get by. And I guess it's not surprising, but I'm always just going, wow. So I can learn so much from them and yeah. I, and just trying to remember that every time I walk into that room, we're all teachers, we're all students. That kind of, it um, sort of leads into one of my other questions and, and that is that I imagine difficult issues come up, of course, mm-hmm. and um, I'm wondering you know, what that's like for you and how do you take care of yourself? Because you're, I imagine, dealing with some heavy stuff sometimes. And and you talk about being surprised by them and amazed by them. Do you feel that you are, um, is taking care of yourself part of what you teach them? Or is it just something that is sort of like coming up naturally? I, well, I think over the course of you know 20 years of teaching this program and also writing very difficult narrative in my own work i've come up with what i would say like my own self-care management Mm -hmm. in you know how i handle or try to navigate exploring my own difficult topics um and so you know just learning coping skills healthy coping skills for me, when I'm writing something difficult, I can then in turn take into um, the classroom with them. One thing, I, I had spent time training with Sue Fornas as a poetic therapist. I didn't end up getting my certification because I went into a double master's program mm-hmm. instead. Um, but in, in poetic therapy and in the world of therapy, an approach is to, to leave on a high to try to go deep, but then to pull, you know, either the client one-on-one, and this is also true in empowerment coaching, to pull the client or the group back out of that. So when they're leaving, the off-ramp is a level place that they're re-entering the world. You don't want to leave on this really heavy, Mm -hmm. you know, topic or low place and everyone's leaving, you know, super low and depressed. I do that with my writing And so I definitely ebb and flow that with the group. So we're all kind of leaving in an even keel for all of us, for them and for me. And the other thing, a lot of people have asked, like, can you train me how to teach this 
I do change the curriculum every time I teach. Mm -hmm. You know, I teach three courses a year, three eight-week courses a year, and I rewrite the curriculum every time. So it's fresh, it's new, it's dealing with current challenges. Mm -hmm. You know, what I taught in 2009 isn't even close to what I'm teaching now. But um, with that, I'll have a plan. Like, here's the outline for, you know, I'll have these ideas and activities and ways to try to reach them creatively, um, you know, doing vision boards or cootie catchers or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. We're usually doing like a crafty project to kind of help us dive deep into journaling and conversation. And someone will bring up a topic that I didn't plan in my curriculum Mm -hmm. and I have to adapt it, you know, on the spot and then adapt the rest of the curriculum. And I think that adaptability is super critical to a group like this. You know, if it was a one-on-one session, you would go with where the conversation is leading. And it's super critical in this group setting to go where the conversation leads. Usually when someone brings up something difficult, it's necessary. And most of the other participants are relating to that topic and you know, whatever it may be, they want to dive in, they want to either be helpful, or they have a shared experience. And so that's really critical as well. So I think, you know, being adaptable, but also, I've spent years and years training, you know, to have an off ramp when I'm teaching workshops, but then I've also had to learn to apply that to myself, Mm -hmm. mainly as I was writing. But yes, in this work, too, I think it's been a natural, you know, exit to exit more on a high and so I leave I'm processing and I think the hardest classes that I leave is when I feel like I didn't reach them you know I I feel like I just they're really shut down and Mm -hmm. I'm not doing a good job you know (laughs) I'm I'm driving home going why do I think I can do this you know why do I think I'm the person qualified you know type of um, conversation I'm having with myself but I remind myself I'm planting seeds. I don't know what kind of change I'm planting or helping. Mm-hmm. A lot of times it's just giving them information that they can later apply. You know, there's not going to be a big change in eight weeks. Yeah. You know, I know that, but I do know that I'm offering support and they know they're being heard. And I think that's probably the most important thing I'm doing. Well, that, that my next question was, what do you feel is the most important thing <laughs> you want to get across to them? Uh, that they matter, that mm-hmm. their voice matters, that there are adults who, you know, care and are genuinely there for them. I, um, you know, my my story, I had a track coach in high school who believed in me and she was, pro- you know, she was someone who didn't know me that I felt saw me and heard Mm -hmm. me and it just takes one person you know one person and I ended up going into the military I ended up staying in sports I ended up going into the fitness industry after the military and I think it was due to that one individual Mm -hmm. you just need one and I feel like if I can be that one and later on as they're making choices they might not see the connection. It was years later when I look back and I'm like, oh, Coach Flynn. She really, you know, was the person that kind of led me down a path because I could have very easily become a statistic and I did not. Yeah. 
Well, my my next my last question actually is I, I'm curious if you've kept in touch with any of the young women or if any have reached out to you and if they've continued in a creative field. So what's interesting is they don't have any of my private information, my mm-hmm. phone number or email. Once in a while, if the group has been super heavy or deeply connected, I'll ask the probation officers that are overseeing the various you know, young ladies, hey, I'm happy to share my number if they need to reach out to me. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, some of them will later find me on social media. You know, on Instagram, I'll get a random message saying, mm-hmm. hey, I got accepted into this college. Hey, I joined the military. Um, hey, I just finished tech school. Mm-hmm. I sometimes will run into a handful of them here or there in the community. I had gone to the movies with my sons. This was a few years ago. And this young lady came running up to me and hugged me. And she's like, it's so great to see you. And I could not place where I knew her from. Mm-hmm. And because I'm in a variety of communities, you know, I'm involved in the disability community, the writing community, the military community, you know, there's a a plethora of communities that I'm involved with. Mm -hmm. I'm like, how do I know this young lady? And then she started sharing. She goes, listen, I've been off probation for a year. I finished my GED. I'm now in tech school. I have this job. She was working at the movie theater. Mm -hmm. And truly a success story and I didn't recognize her because she looked so different yeah (laughs) you know just how she was carrying herself Mm -hmm. in this positive you know self-confident way compared to the young lady I saw in the workshop and I just sat you know in the movies with my sons like just tearing up like I was so thankful and so happy and I will get messages on social media like that. Like, listen, yeah. you have no idea how much you helped me. I was suicidal back then, or oh I was gosh. suffering with this. And it will be things I didn't know that they were suffering with because they didn't share mm-hmm. like some of those deeper things that were going on. And um, and so I will get messages here and there like that on you know Instagram in a private message. And I'm just like, wow, thank you for letting me know and I'm so glad you're okay now and you know reach out to me anytime you know I'm I'm here so yeah it's it's incredible you know they do circle back around they mm-hmm. trickle back in and and will reach out and let me know or even some of them know past participants which isn't great right they'll say oh I'm friends with so-and-so and she loves you and you did this and this <laughs> for her and I'm like, that's great, but why are you here if she's doing <laughs> <laughs> <It's> so good? <laughs> Let's focus on you now, but thanks for passing along the message. <laughs> wow. That is that's so powerful. And Thank you. got and I just can only imagine how fulfilling that must be for you. Thank you so much for sharing these stories and what amazing work you're doing. And I'm, I imagine, um, I can only imagine how the young women feel. So thanks so much for sharing. Thank you so much for the platform to share. And I truly am their students the majority of the time. So I probably get more from the workshops than they do. They help me a lot as well. So it's really just a 
very beautiful opportunity to help make a difference. So I'm, I'm thankful for it. Thank you for joining us today. We'll be back next Monday. Tune in.